Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. The movie business is nothing if not resilient, so it's no surprise that they've found a way to capitalise on the pressure on them from the Time's Up movement, demanding more diversity and representation. Well, it's undeniable that for over a century, directors and producers have been overwhelmingly white and male. The pendulum swing has, frankly, been a long time coming. My mom said that you're homeless. Is that true? No, I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. Not the same thing, right? No. Suddenly there's been an onslaught of films from what used to be called minorities, though these days the term underrepresented seems to be more in favour. No matter, the rise of filmmakers like Chloe Zhao, Steve McQueen, Emerald Fennell, Ryan Coogler and the rest is undoubtedly a good thing. I have to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was hoping you'd feel differently by now. It's every guy's worst nightmare getting accused like that. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? It's also a money saver. Many production companies are now cashing in on the fact that a first-time director is far less expensive than a name filmmaker. It's win-win. You gain brownie points for supporting exciting new underrepresented talent and you save millions that would have otherwise gone on securing the services of Spielberg or Denis Villeneuve, Stephen Frears or David Fincher. Thunder, like blood, fire, religion. All in one film. That's director proof. That's why I always want Mank around. In Finch's Hollywood Insider story, Mank, the phrase writers and producers love to toss around was, it's director proof, meaning not even the least competent novice could screw it up. But they can't lift it above the ordinary either, because at the end of the day, there's no substitute for a safe pair of hands. Somebody's happy. I've been trying to make American pancakes. Mm, inedible. The last few years have seen an endless string of films made by keen, enthusiastic and often arrogant first-timers. I'm not saying they're always failures. I am saying the phrase beginner's luck often comes to mind when they succeed. And midway through these often lengthy efforts, I wonder to myself, what would Stephen Frears or Catherine Bigelow or Roger Michelle have done with this? The United States government is killing innocent civilians under the guise of protecting democracy. Under whose orders? The director of the FBI. How many more have to die for you to stop looking the other way? And this week I was reminded of this silent prayer by a posthumous comedy drama directed by the late Roger Michel. He made not only hits like Notting Hill, but also some favourite smaller films like Venus, The Mother and the great documentary Tea with the Dames. He sadly died last year, leaving us a film called The Duke. All my life I've looked out for other people and got into trouble for it. But I had faith. Not in God, but in people.
Another very experienced director is Spain's Isabel Cochet, who seems to have discovered a fascination with the English middle class in films like The Bookshop, and this week it snows in Benidorm. The weather is a way to feel there's always something happening. And if there isn't, there's always a promise. Cochette's latest dip into territory, better served by Stephen Frears or even Mike Lee, stars Timothy Spall, no less, though he's mostly working solo here. Meanwhile, at the start of a directing career is the first from Hollywood star Channing Tatum. It's called Dog. Is that you? Good girl. Will you give hugs now? Really? Well, Lulu gives the best hug. You've never had a Lulu hug? No, we don't, we don't, we don't exactly hug. I've always rather liked Channing Tatum, a dancer turned leading man who back in Hollywood's golden age might have made a career alternating between musicals and westerns. These days he's become a sort of modern-day Clint Eastwood leading man with a few interesting choices thrown in, as stripper hero Magic Mike, as an undercover teenager in 21 Jump Street and as a dancer turned Russian spy in the Coen Brothers' Hail Caesar. But I wouldn't have thought he had a hankering to direct. You tell me that Nuke was just as messed up as Lulu. I had to work him every day for six months. When he stopped struggling, that's when I realised maybe I could stop struggling too. Okay, just like me, right? Mind you, people said the same about Eastwood and Channing Tatum's debut, he co-directs with writer Reed Carolyn, is an undeniably sure-footed piece of work. It's called Dog and it stars Tatum as a burnt-out army ranger called Briggs who's desperate to get back into the service. It's expired, sir. Come on, man. You know how many times I've been in and out of this gate with that? Excuse me? What's the odds on my Step out of the vehicle, sir. You want me to step out of the vehicle? I'll have a... He's with Ranger Battalion. Ranger Battalion. He's given the job of escorting another army casualty called Lulu. Lulu is an army dog, a Belgian Malinois to be exact, who's had an emotional breakdown after the death of her handler, Riley Rodriguez. The Rodriguez family want Lulu at the funeral three states away. I've been busting my ass to get my mind and my body back into a good place. I need to get back in the game, sir. You want to get back in the game? Prove it. Sergeant Rodriguez was a legend. Family funeral Sunday outside of Nogales. They want his dog at the funeral. You do this and you're back in the game. Briggs knew both Rodriguez and Lulu in happier times and sees no problem taking on babysitting duties. But Lulu is not the dog she was. She won't relate to anyone now that her partner's dead, least of all the rather slap-happy Briggs. She won't work with anyone. One minute she's good, the next minute she's sending three guys to the ER. What's up, dog? And you're going to go on a little road trip. Easy. What are you all so scared of? Smell it out, big <laughs> <laughs> You get the idea of where dog's heading. A bit of midnight run, a hostile couple on the road with a ticking clock, quite a bit of an officer and a gentleman, the army is two losers' last chance, and a smidgen of lassie come home to seal the deal. It looks, as they say, director-proof. What is your deal, man? Come on. You're slobbering all over my seats. (laughs) Maybe just take crazy down. Just like one. Just one notch. That's it. 
Of course it isn't. No movie, depending on animals and leading roles, is ever that. But it does gain enormously from the lead performances. Lulu is actually played by a number of dogs, but they all bring their A-game. And so does star Channing Tatum, who gives director Channing Tatum a nicely understated but heartfelt performance. Maybe we could get along. And if we get along, maybe we could even have some fun and send Riley off right. Doesn't that sound nice, dog? I'm all you got. I'm it. It's just me. Tatum clearly realised he had to put the work in, developing a believable relationship with his canine co-stars. He brings out the best of the various Lulus, not least when he's fighting with his charge. No, 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 no! No! You're just a demon. You're just a demon! Whatever happened to you, dog? You used to be a legend. In many ways, it's a romantic comedy format. Boy meets dog, they don't get on, and over the movie, they fall in love. But it takes quite a bit of help. When Lulu runs away the first time of many, she's rescued by a hippie couple who suggests that Briggs and Lulu might want to try communication. You're so good. How'd you make her get out of your hand? I just talked to her. See, she's just a noodle. She just needs so good. And sometimes Lulu's army training is unhelpful in Civvy Street. Briggs sweet-talks their way into a fancy hotel by cashing in on Lulu's war decorations. Oh, and claiming she's a seeing-eye dog now. It does work better in the movie. There ain't no shame in wanting a big comfy mattress. I was hoping you might have a room for me and my little girl. Is that a purple heart? Was she wounded? Uh, yes, she, she was. Thank you for your service. Things go south when Afghanistan veteran Lulu spots a nice gentleman in the lobby who's clearly of Middle Eastern stock. She takes off, Briggs blows his cover chasing after her and then tries a desperate ploy when they're sprung. Oh my God, I can, I can see. As I say, it works better in the film, and that's down to how well Dog is directed. So can Channing Tatum follow in the footsteps of Clint Eastwood, or will he be satisfied with one small but pretty successful movie? He's clearly got some chops, but movie starring is an awful lot easier than movie making. You know what? I'll make you a deal. You don't do anything else psychotic on this trip and we make a good time, we can go see him. Maybe. Okay. Is that, a, is that a deal? Shake? <laughs> you shake. You sure got it. Spanish director Isabel Cochette has been making movies for years, but she first crossed my path with her adaptation of a little English novel called The Bookshop. Despite an attractive cast, it tended to betray its literary roots. Sometimes a book just doesn't turn into a movie. Cachette's new film is also partly set in England, but she's not hindered by an original book this time. She wrote It Snows in Benidorm from scratch. Mr. Reardon. 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 If you don't expect anything from anybody, you'll never be disappointed. That's what you say. No, it's by Sylvia Plath. Benidorm is a holiday resort on the coast of Spain, highly popular among a certain type of British tourist. If you voted Brexit, says this film, you probably still holiday in Benidorm. I have very few certainties, but there is something I'm sure about. Neither the weather nor people can be trusted. If we are evicted, there must be something that you can do, Mr. Rio. Whatever is necessary. 
Unlikely to holiday anywhere is uptight Peter Reardon, played by Timothy Small. He's a banker with an interest in weather and helping the underdog until he gets an unpleasant letter from head office divesting themselves of his services. A letter firing me. Enjoy life, Peter. That's what we all want. All I, all I want is this. No farewell party, please. A party? If no one was thinking of holding one. What can a man with no interests outside work find to do? He rings the only other person in his life, apparently, his ne'er-do-well brother Daniel, who lives and works in Benidorm. Hey, it seems like I'm, I'm finally going to see you. I want to see your ugly face, brother. The two brothers have had very little to do with each other for years, but Peter decides to rectify matters. Without waiting for a reply, he takes off, lands in Spain, and is met by nobody. Hello, Daniel. I've been waiting over an hour now. Give it a call or text me when you get this or something. So where is the mysterious Daniel? Peter goes to his brother's flat, which is conspicuously empty. So, for want of anything better to do, he goes for a stroll in downtown Benidorm, looking for stereotypical English tourists. There's a loud-mouthed hen party. There's a bunch of drunk football fans and a bloke with a metal detector. Having soaked up the local colour, Peter decides to report a missing brother. I would like to report the disappearance of my brother, please. It's just not normal that he would disappear without saying anything. I work in your brother's club. I'm a manager. What's the name of the club? Benidorm. Which is how he meets a strapping woman called Alex, played by Anglo-Indian actor Sarita Chowdhury. Alex manages Daniel's club, so she's also curious to know what's happened to him. I'm looking for my brother, Daniel Reardon. In fact, it snows in Benidorm as a slightly underpowered version of the classic The Third Man. Hunt the missing friend, how well did we really know him? But instead of the grimy suspense of that film, writer-director Isabel Cochette takes us to some exotic nightlife, starting with the Club Benidorm, of course. Do you think it's too late to take up singing lessons? What do you know about Daniel? The club is more peculiar than sinister. It specialises in burlesque, which in this setting means unaccompanied Elvis impersonators, non-binary strippers, and the return of Alex going under the nom de strip pearl because of a rather confronting act. You're something Daniel wasn't. What's that? Innocent. You're right. What do you see? I see you. The head is the best part. Against all odds, Pearl Alex's act is just what repressed Peter has been searching for. Mind you, the whole of its snows in Benidorm is littered with unnecessary additions to the missing brother story. These include many references to the poet Sylvia Plath, who used to live in Benidorm, we're told repeatedly, and a song that you'll pay someone to stop singing after a while. Looks like I'll never get rid of you.
I believe Euro hit Yes Sir I Can Boogie is a huge favourite among the Brexit Benidorm crowd, though it does nothing for me. It's certainly no substitute for a plot which is mostly jettisoned while we wait for the chemistry between banker Peter and pearl handler Alex to bear fruit. Where is Daniel? Mr... Merton. Where the hell have you come from? Enjoy life, Peter. That's what we all want. What do you know about Daniel? As for the missing Daniel, our interest starts to dwindle when it becomes increasingly obvious that it snows in Benidorm neither knows nor cares what, if anything, happens to him. With which, frankly, we can only concur. Do you want to come up? No. Over the years, there have been several English comedy dramas about old people carrying out wacky heists in a cynical play for the senior market, the so-called Silver Dollar. Well, I had my doubts about The Duke until I saw that it was directed by the late, great Roger Michel, his last drama, in fact, and it starred the always fascinating Jim Broadbent and Dame Helen Mirren. Will the defendant please stand? Kempton Bunton, you were charged that on the 21st of March 1961, you stole from the National Gallery a priceless portrait of the Duke of Wellington by Francisco José de Goya. Not very good, is it? The Duke is actually based on a famous real-life case, the theft in 1961 of a recently acquired portrait of England's most famous soldier, the Duke of Wellington, from London's National Gallery. How do you plead? Not guilty. Yes! For those unfamiliar with court proceedings, that was the plea, not the verdict. (laughs) But of more interest was the mastermind behind the heist. Far from a great train robber, Kempton Bunton, what a brilliantly Newcastle name, was in fact an ordinary Daily Mirror reader whose hobbies included writing unproduced plays for the BBC and getting up the nose of the establishment. We're convinced that the Goya has been stolen by a highly professional international criminal gang. Mind your boomers! Almost certainly a trained commando. (laughs) You're right. Bitter biscuit. The chief bee in Bunton's bonnet is the BBC, in particular the TV licence fee. He refuses to pay it and he thinks television is a service that should be provided free to war widows and pensioners. After weeks of publicity for the famous portrait of the Duke, Bunton sees the opportunity to put pressure on the Tories. One problem. What's that? Your mother. I can explain. I'm shaking. It's the shock. Shock, yes, I'm shocked there's a stolen masterpiece in my wardrobe. In this, he's offered little support from the rest of his family. His wife, Dolly, despairs of him. Dame Helen is terrific as a Geordie charwoman. One of their sons is a local tearaway, no better than he should be, while younger son, Jackie, spends rather too much time with his dad. I'll be able to pay for God knows how many TV licences. He's not really going to use it all on telly licences. Why not? Just saying, who can make use of a couple of grand? You think Robin Hood took a rake off? Aye. Jackie, Robin Hood. 
The Duke is a completely successful revival of a genre Britain once made its own. The 40s and 50s Ealing comedies like The Lavender Hill Mob and The Lady Killers, but without the plot contrivances. Everything in this film may be ridiculously unlikely, but it's undoubtedly true. What's he actually asking for? £140,000. For what? Charity. Good grief. I'm living with a madman. I'm tackling social injustice. I'm like Robin Hood. You're an idiot. And it has the enormous benefit of such a safe pair of hands. Roger Michel's style was always subservient to the story. If you notice the directing, he used to say he wasn't doing his job. And his eye and ear for this very specific period is flawless. The taxpayer paid for that bin. They could have given thousands to war widows and pensioners. It's for the greater good of mankind. Mankind? What about your own kind? This is England between post-war rationing and the Beatles-led swinging London. The shots of 1961 Trafalgar Square, keyed behind Jim Broadbent as he smuggles out the painting, are straight out of a look-at-life short. And the soundtrack, Padam Faith, Helen Shapiro and the yearning stranger on the shore, is equally spot-on. The mirror. This is the workers' paper, Jackie lad. How are you going to get them painted? Worry about that tomorrow. Tonight, celebration. Fish supper, family out. No, but that Irene's coming round. More the merrier. Bring her along. The Duke evokes memories of an England that no longer exists. Most of the factories have closed down. The Daily Mirror, the workers' paper, became sullied by its subsequent owner, Robert Maxwell, and the class war got turned into no such thing as society. How long will you get? I don't know. Ten years. You could have told me. We could have dealt with it together. You married young. I had to marry. I had to marry. It was love. But maybe that's why a film like this remains so appealing. The pairing of Helen Mirren and Jim Broadbent, have they never worked together before, is a dream team. Excuse me, sir. Are you taking one of our paintings? No, sir. I'm bringing one back. And when Kempton Bunton is brought to book, it's only appropriate that he returns the painting himself and that his lawyer be the husband of Shakespearean actor Dame Peggy Ashcroft. He is not a thief. He borrowed your Goya to do a bit of good in this world. And just when you think there's no more early 60s nostalgia left to mine, Roger Michel slips in the final brilliant gag from the first James Bond film. The tragedy at the end of this delightful comedy is that we won't see any more films from Michel. Well, not quite. Just before his death last year, he'd completed a documentary about the Queen called Elizabeth, which, by all accounts, is one of his best. You campaign for pensioners and war veterans... Every time someone gets cut off from the rest of us, this country becomes a foot shorter. My advice to any of the exciting new first-time directors setting up their stall in the film business is to ask themselves every so often, what would Roger Michel do? Your film will immediately become a foot taller. And on that memory of a great filmmaker, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. 
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.